0: Welcome to Bakersfield First Assembly of God's podcast. We are so excited that you joined us today. Our lead pastor, Pastor James Lair, is fired up and ready to preach. I hope you enjoy this sermon.
1: Judah, as a people and a nation, had been in captivity for 70 years in Babylon. And God was going to bring them back home and restore them to Jerusalem. But first they needed to finish rebuilding the temple. And it was Zechariah's job to challenge the people to do just that. And he had these many visions and visions of the first coming of Christ as well as the second coming of Christ. And so Zechariah has a vision in chapter 2 verse 1 which says, Then I looked up and there before me was a man with a measuring line in his hand. I asked, where are you going? He answered me, to measure Jerusalem, to find out how wide and how long it is. Then the angel who was speaking to me left, and another angel came to meet him and said to him, run, tell that young man, Jerusalem will be a city without walls because of the great number of men and livestock in it, and I myself will be a wall of fire around it, declares the Lord, and I will be its glory within Come, come, flee from the land of the north, declares the Lord, for I have scattered you to the four winds of heaven, declares the Lord. Come, O Zion, escape you who live in the daughter of Babylon. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the power of your word. God, it is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, I pray that that sword would do surgery on our hearts today. There are people here, God, that need a word from you. God, there are those that are discouraged, Lord, and downtrodden, those who need hope. And so, Father, I pray that as I preach this message that you've laid on my heart, that it would resonate with people's hearts as well. God, we want to hear from you. We've worshipped you. We've entered into your presence. And, Lord, we now sit at your feet and, and are ready to receive whatever you have for us. God, it may be an encouragement. It may be a gentle rebuke. It may be a challenge, but God, I believe you have something for every person hearing my voice, and not because of me, but because of the power of your word and the power of your spirit to make it come alive. And so, Lord, I thank you that you have given us your word, the Bible, as a guidebook for life. And if we will only follow this guidebook, we will be blessed. And Lord, we will, you will carry us through the deepest, darkest times. Lord, you will be a light for us. Because you, you said in your word, your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. And so, God, we give you freedom to move in our lives. Holy Spirit, I pray you would touch and challenge us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. For the sake of review, I want to just highlight a few things I preached last Sunday. Zachariah saw a man with a measuring line or a measuring rod or a tape measure in today's vernacular in his hand. And, and it represented hope of the exiles returning to Jerusalem and being restored and rebuilding their city. And this returning and restoration could not take place until they finished building the temple. And before our complete restoration we must restore and rebuild this temple our which is the temple of the holy spirit our very selves. And before this we realize God is still working on each and every one of us. How many know God's not done with you yet? God's not, as long as you take a breath, God's working on you. And we need that work. We need to be restored and repaired and rejuvenated in our soul. And the Lord said someday Jerusalem would be a city without walls. Now this is unheard of. In Bible times, a city always had walls. It was for their protection and their safety. But the Lord said that Jerusalem would not need walls because of its divine protection In fact, walls would hold them back from how God wanted to bless them and extend and expand. And the same is true of us. We've made walls to keep people out, try to keep circumstances out, keep pain out. But I want you to know that those walls also keep out what God has for us at times. How he wants to bless us, how he wants to grow us. And so we we no longer need walls of our own making. The Lord wants to bless us. And there's no need for us to shelter ourselves behind our self-made walls for self-preservation because our security is in Jesus Christ. Because walls don't always work. And the people of Jerusalem would no longer need walls for this reason. The Lord would be a wall of fire around them. I'd rather have the Lord as a wall of fire than a wall of rock surrounding me. And we no longer need walls that we've put up because the Lord will be a wall of fire around us. And the Lord's glory will be within us as we reflect his glory. We are changed and transformed into his likeness. Before the Lord can do all this rebuilding and restoration and restoring, there's some things we must do. You see, God had warned Judah and Israel for generations what would happen. He told them what would happen if they obeyed him. There would be blessing. They would would thrive in the promised land. There would be such fruitfulness. But if they disobeyed, they would lose the land. They would be driven out of the land. They would be scattered among the nations. And God warned them before this ever happened. He warned them time and time again. And look at Leviticus 26, 14. The Lord is warning them before they'd even gone into the promised land. He's warning them. But if you do not listen to me and carry out all these commands, and if you reject my decrees and abhor my laws, and fail to carry out all of my commands and so violate my covenant. Drop down to verse 33. There's a lot of things that happened in between there. But he says, I will scatter you among the nations and will draw out my sword and pursue you. Your land will be laid waste and your cities will lie in ruins. And that's exactly what happened. Israel, the kingdom to the north, fell first to the the empire of the Assyrians, and they were scattered. That's why we call them the lost ten tribes of Israel. They were scattered throughout the world. And not much later, Judah fell to Babylon, and they too were exiled to a foreign land. Instead of living in the land of promise, they were scattered among their enemies. So what what can we glean from this? Number one, disobedience drives us to be scattered. God brings obedience, calls us to obey because he wants to bless us. He wants life to go well for us. But if we persist in disobedience, like the Israelites and and those in Judah did for hundreds of years, they, they kept persisting in disobedience. It'll eventually drive you out of the promised land of God and what the Lord has for you. And we will feel scattered. And some of us have experienced this scattering. We've walked away from the Lord, and we become lost, alienated, and estranged. We call this the prodigal because of the famous story in the Bible, the lost son. But I want you to know that there is hope for every prodigal to come home. And there is a promise for everyone who has a wayward child or grandchild or brother or sister or mother or father, grandparent, If you know of someone in your life that knew the Lord but has walked away, is not living the life, is not serving the Lord, I have a promise for you. And I think this promise is so important that you need to highlight it in your Bible. You need to write it on a post-it note, slap it on your refrigerator, or put it on your your mirror like my mom used to do when I was in high school. She'd write scriptures in black marker on my mirror. I wonder what she was trying to tell me. Trying to get ready, you know, trying to... Look for pimples on my face, and I've got all this writing on the scripture on the, my mirror. But I, I want to encourage you today because God's promises are yes and amen. They're going to happen. But we have a part to play. We must believe it. We must claim it. And we must trust and have the faith that God's going to fulfill his word. And so if you have a prodigal in your family, if there's someone you know that is lost, I encourage you to make this your daily prayer for them. Look at Isaiah 43, verses 5 through 7. I like it in in the Message Bible, but any translation is phenomenal. Listen to this promise from God. So don't be afraid. I am with you. I'll round up all your scattered children. There it is, the scattering. I'll round up all your scattered children. Pull them in from east and west. I'll send orders north and south, the four winds. Send them back. Return my sons from distant lands, my daughters from faraway places. I want them back, every last one who bears my name, every man, woman, and child whom I created for my glory. Yes, personally formed and made each one. Do you see the passion of God for his kids, for his lost children, for the prodigals? Do you see God's heart? It's not one of condemnation. It's one of grace. We need to daily proclaim this promise. No matter how bleak, how hopeless, or how discouraged you may feel about someone, stir up your faith and believe that they have gone astray, but that God is pursuing them and is going to bring them back home. And that's my second point. God is calling the prodigals to come back. I believe there's a season of grace that is in the world today. And I, I am believing and proclaiming that our churches are going to be filled with prodigals who had known the Lord and walked away, but now they're ready to come home. God wants them back. Every last one. Do you see the urging and the urgency, the immediacy and the imploring? God says, come and flee. Come and escape from Babylon and the daughters of Babylon. He's saying, flee from your sin. Escape from the world and come home to your heavenly father. Do you, do you sense the longing and yearning and even the aching of the heart of God? Do you hear the hope, though, and the anticipation and even excitement of a father waiting for the return of his children? As most of you know, my daughter and her husband and my two grandsons are missionaries, and they were overseas for three years. And I'm telling you, when they finally had a, a date, they had a plane ticket when they were going to come home for a year. Man, I, I had that date ready, and I had so much excitement and anticipation for those two little boys. Yeah, the kids were kind of important, but it's the, it was the grandchildren. I was so excited. I was, couldn't wait. There's, I'm telling you, I have never known love like this in my life than for grandchildren. I, you know, if I'd have known this, I'd have had them first. This is just Awesome. And God has this same love and longing for his children, especially the children who have gone astray. We see this sense of elation and excitement in the story of the prodigal son. Now, this is a powerful story. Jesus talks about lost coin and lost sheep and a lost son. And so you know the story of the prodigal. He wanted his inheritance now. He didn't want to wait for his dad to die. And it was actually a very offensive thing to demand your inheritance early. You were saying, I wish you were dead, Dad. And so he pierced the heart of his father by demanding his inheritance. And he got all that money. And, you know, just what happens to sometimes people, professional athletes, all of a sudden they've gone from nothing to millions And he had all this money at his disposal. And he spent it and blew it on on alcohol and drugs and prostitutes and women. I mean, he just spent it all until it was gone. I mean, you know, it doesn't last forever. And he ran out of money and he found himself feeding pigs for a living. And so look at, let's pick up the story there. Luke 15, Verse 17. And when he came to his senses, I mean you know when you're eating with pigs, it'll wake you up. Just the smell will wake you up. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to become, be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up. And he went to his father. Now listen to this. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him and ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. Isn't that awesome? The father was looking for him, waiting for him. And when he finally saw him a long ways off, he didn't show condemnation. It says that he was filled with compassion. This is how God responds to every prodigal that comes home. Do you see the excitement? Can you imagine his unbridled joy? Before the Israelites could be restored, they had to return like prodigals from a foreign land to which they had been scattered. You know, the reality is sometimes you have to eat with pigs before you come to your senses. When you realize, what am I doing here? I don't belong here. This is is not for me. And so the only way we're going to get right with God is number 3 we must leave the past and the places where we were scattered. The only way we're going to get back to that place of a right relationship with the Lord is we got to come back. Guess what? He didn't leave. We did. The prodigal had to leave the pigs and make his way back home. The Israelites had to leave the foreign lands where they were living in Babylon and elsewhere. And here's what's so perplexing and disappointing. Not all the exiles wanted to come back home. Many of the people stayed in Babylon. They had the freedom to go back to Israel, but they decided to stay in Babylon instead. The Life Application Bible explains it this way. Many of the captive Israelites did not return to Jerusalem because they had become accustomed to the security and wealth they had in Babylon. But Zechariah instructed them to leave Babylon quickly. This was an urgent request because Babylon would be destroyed and its decadent culture would cause God's people to forget their spiritual priorities. A vast majority of the Israelites rejected these warnings and remained in Babylon. Isn't that stunning that they would stay in the land of captivity? And it would take several waves over several years of exiles returning to Jerusalem. They had become accustomed to living in Babylon. My fourth point this morning is this we can get too comfortable in our captivity. You know, when we go into captivity, whether it's sin or any kind of dysfunction or struggle we may have, anything that holds us captive, it can be, it can be fear, it can be anything. But after a while, we, we learn to live with it instead of become free of it. I want you to know God wants you to be free. He doesn't want you to live in bondage. He does not want you to live in captivity, but the problem is we get comfortable You know, Babylon was a beautiful city. Now it wasn't home, but it was pretty. And they actually started to settle in and prosper there. We may become accustomed to Babylon. Yeah, some of us have learned to function in our dysfunction. But how many know it's still dysfunction? What is unhealthy for us has become normal to us. We've gotten used to it. We've gotten used to the bad habits or the struggles or the, or the, the battle, the mental battle. We've become accustomed to it and we're, we're more afraid to get better than to stay where we're at. You see, Babylon seemed more safe and secure than Israel because they had to go back. They didn't even have the wall finished in Jerusalem. You want me to go back to a city that doesn't have walls in a dangerous place? Well, I'm nice and safe and secure here in Babylon. Well, here's the irony. They weren't safe and secure in Babylon. Babylon got conquered by the Medes and the Persians. And then they were conquered by Greece, and, and Greece was conquered by Rome. No kingdom of man lasts forever. You are, you know, There's no such thing as job security, worldly security. Our only security is in Jesus Christ. That's the kingdom that will always stand. And if we put our hope, listen, I love America. I'm a patriot, but I'm telling you what, my hope is not even in this, in this nation. It's in the kingdom of God, which supersedes all nations. Those who stayed behind in Babylon didn't realize that Babylon was going to be wiped off the map. I want you to know, this world will be destroyed by fire. Now I believe in being a good steward. I'm, you know, I'm not a radical environmentalist or anything like that, but I'm here to tell you that the earth is not my mother and we can no matter what we do whether there's global warming, global cooling or climate change, this world is going to be transformed. A new heaven and a new earth. I still think we should be good stewards of our resources but we need to understand that nothing lasts forever, even the earth. And this world is going to be destroyed and devastated in the great tribulation. And so what is this about Babylon? It was a literal city, but what does it mean? Thomas Constable's notes on the Bible says this, the Lord called these people to escape from Babylon among whose daughter nations they live. This was a call for the scattered Jews to return home in Zechariah's day and help rebuild this, their nation. You see, they needed to leave Babylon to help rebuild Jerusalem. I mean, oh, we need to leave the world and build the church, build the kingdom. But it is also because of the context and lack of fulfillment, a prophetic call to those living in the end times, you and me, to abandon the Babylon of their day. There is a Babylon of our day. Now, there was a literal, historical kingdom of Babylon. The the archaeological find has been incredible. I'm telling you, as a Christian, you don't have to be afraid of science and archaeology because it just continues to prove the Bible true. We know the Bible's true, but it's amazing what archaeology has uncovered that is listed in our Bible. The greatest single source of history is the Bible. And so there was a historical Babylon in Iraq, But there is also a metaphorical Babylon. It's symbolic. And we see this in Revelation 18, verses 1 through 4. After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven. He had great authority, and the earth was illuminated by his splendor. And with a mighty voice, he shouted, Fallen! Fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a home for demons and a haunt for every evil spirit, a haunt for every unclean and detestable bird. For all the nations have drunk the maddening wine of her adulteries. The kings of the earth committed adultery with her and the merchants of the earth grew rich from her excessive luxuries. Wow, it almost sounds like America. And then I heard another voice from heaven say, Come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins, so that you will not receive any of her plagues. And so this is what God was trying to do with the Israelites. Get out of Babylon while you can, because Babylon's going to fall, and Babylon did fall. And in the same way, God does not want us in the Babylon of this world, because it too is going to fall. The world's mindset. There remains a figurative and spiritual Babylon in the world today. The New International Commentary says this, Babylon is a symbol for the spirit of godlessness, which in every age lures men away from the worship of the Creator. That's what Satan's goal is. In fact, it says in Romans, in the last days they worshipped created things, Instead of the Creator, it is the final manifestation of secular humanism in its attempt to destroy the remaining vestiges of true religion. How many know Christianity is under attack today? In our nation, like I've never known before historically, there is an attack, there there is a, a, a rising up against believers. And we see this as just part of the end times. That's the spirit of Babylon is secular humanism. That that we are God. That we don't need a God because we control our own destiny. I'm here to tell you God is in control. And he alone is God. And so the challenge for us is to come out from among them, as it says in Corinthians, and be separate. Now I love this last line from this quote. Society set free from God, is its own worst enemy. We've gotten God out of society, out of schools, out of the public marketplace, and look at the result. Something has is, is gone drastically wrong, and it's because we removed God. Babylon is going to fall. We have been forewarned. So what must we do? The Expositor's Bible Commentary says this. Christians are to separate themselves ideologically and, if necessary, physically from all the forms of Babylon. And so just like God was calling Israel out of Babylon, it's just like he was calling them out of slavery in Egypt. Now he's calling them out of bondage in Babylon And he's calling you and me out of captivity from this world's mindset and system. Because it's easy to to penetrate and deceive. And so it's important for us to have discernment, spiritual discernment, of what is from the Lord and what is from the evil one. And so here is what the Lord was saying to Israel back then. And what he is saying to us today, my last point, number five, it's time to leave Babylon behind. It's time to get out of those scattered places. And it's a time to come home to God. And it may not be that you've walked away from the Lord, but there's areas of your heart you've yet to surrender to God. And you're still in captivity in that area of your life. And so God's calling us today to to surrender, to surrender our will, our demands, our expectations. We we surrender to the Lord. That's fundamental to Christianity. You cannot come in the kingdom until you surrender to the king. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? I want to speak to those who do not know the Lord, have never accepted Christ as their Savior. I want you to know that you're not here by accident. God drew you here through a series of circumstances, and so God is knocking on the door of your heart. Babylon will fall. This world will fall. Are you ready? And the only way to be ready is to be of another kingdom, to be born again, the Bible says. And the way we get born again is spiritually. We ask Jesus into our heart and life and to make us a new person. And he promises to forgive us of all our sins and give us eternal life in heaven. What a deal. We give up our guilt and condemnation and sin, and he gives us eternal life and blessings forevermore. So if you have not accepted Christ, I want to give you a chance to do that today. But I also want to speak to those prodigals that may be here today. You know you're not where you belong. You may be riding the fence, foot in the world, foot in the kingdom. You, you know that you accepted the Lord at the one time, but you're not where you need to be. And you're ready because God has brought you to your senses. You've been eating with pigs, and you've come to your senses. And so I want to give you a chance today to accept Christ as your Savior. If you want to accept the Lord if you, or if you want to come back home, would you just slip up your hand? Anyone in this place ready to give their life to Christ? Amen. Yes, several hands. Any others? You put your hand right back down. I want to lead you in a prayer if you raised your hand. It's time to come home. It's time to give your life to God. It's time to surrender. And so if you raised your hand and you're ready to accept Christ or come home to the Lord, please repeat this prayer after me. And those of you who are already believers, would you join with me? Would you join with them as well so they don't feel alone? They're part of a family. So if you raised your hand, please repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I believe. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe you rose from the dead and are coming again. Dear Jesus, I receive. I receive your forgiveness of my sins. I receive the eternal life you've promised me. And I receive the abundant life here on earth. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, we ask you just to fill out the card that's in the pew in front of you, the info card. And just check that box that you gave your life to Christ today because we want to contact you and we want to get you on that right journey with the Lord. I want to do one more prayer before I dismiss and again would you just bow your heads and close your eyes this is before the Lord is there a prodigal in your life, someone you're concerned about you're burdened it may be a son or a daughter or a grandchild maybe a brother or a sister maybe a father, grandparent someone in your life friend is lost. They're lost. That's what the prodigal means. They're lost. If that's you and you want me to pray with you, would you just slip up your hand? You have a prodigal in your life that you're believing God for. Amen. All hands raised. You put your hands down. I encourage you to write out that scripture. Put it on your mirror. Put it on your fridge. And and make that claim that they're coming home. Lord Jesus, you saw every hand that was raised We're all burdened by someone who has fallen away. Someone who has demanded their inheritance early, so to speak, and has gone back to the world. And so, Lord, we're believing that you're gonna bring them home. And I pray you would help us know what to do, God, how we're to respond. Lord, we wanna make it easy for them to come home, not difficult. We wanna celebrate, not condemn. And so, Lord, I pray that whatever they're doing in their life, God, if they're sinning, make them miserable in their sin, God. Like the like the prodigal son was miserable, he was eating with pigs. He was like, what's happened to me? Lord, let them come to their senses. God, break through those barriers that the enemy has erected. Holy Spirit, break down the walls that they've erected. In the name of Jesus. And, Lord, I pray that we would see... The church is filled with prodigals because Babylon is going to fall. The time is now. So, Lord, we commit to praying daily for the prodigals. Fill the church with sons and daughters who have come home. In Jesus' name we all pray. Amen. Would you stand with me? The Lord bless you. And keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. I want to let you know there will be people up here willing to pray for you if you need prayer. Or if you just want to kneel in the altar. We always want to allow the service to end in an altar time. God bless you. I hope you'll join us for prayer tonight. God bless you.
0: Thank you for tuning in today. We are so excited that you joined us. If you chose to say yes to Christ today, we would love for you to text the word born again, all one word to 94090. By doing so, you will receive more information on your next steps in following Christ. We meet every Sunday at 830 and 11 a.m. right here in Bakersfield, California at 4901 California Avenue. We would love for you to join us in person. Also, we have a live stream service at 11 a.m. every Sunday morning. You can find us on YouTube and Facebook. If you'd like more information about Bakersfield First Assembly of God, you can search us on the internet at bakersfieldfirst.com. Thank you for joining us today
1: and have a blessed week.